2005, two brothers hit the road to chase demons and fight monsters. After 15 years, they made television history and built a community of dedicated and lasting fans. I'm Rob Benedict. I played God, a.k.a. Chuck Shirley. And I'm Richard Spate Jr., and I played the Archangel Gabriel, a.k.a. the Trickster, a.k.a. Loki. And in later years, I stepped behind the camera to direct a bunch of episodes. Though we've been involved with the series for years and multiple seasons, we never sat down and watched the entire show. Until now. Rob and I are going episode by episode, watching each and every one. And we're diving in with the folks who made the show to bring you an insider's point of view and some great behind-the-scenes stories from the writers, producers, crew, and actors. And along the road, we're becoming fans. We've heard you saying it for years, and we finally get what all the excitement is about. We'll definitely be hitting on some spoilers, so you better be watching with us or look out. This show holds up after all this time and deserves to be watched and rewatched. Thank you for joining our journey and listening to Supernatural Then and Now. Hi, everybody. It's Rob Benedict. My name is Richard Spate Jr. Yes, it is. And we're talking about season four, episode eight, Wishful Thinking. Wishful Thinking. You know what I wish? <laughs> I do. And don't. And you know what? I'm not going to burn in hell right now. I'm going to stay right here. So your wish is not granted. Damn it. Okay, we polled our members on Patreon, and they chose- Whoa, whoa, whoa. You did what with your members? We <laughs> took a poll uh, okay. on Patreon. Let's keep it classy, Robbie. This is, a, there's a, this is a family show. We took a poll to our members on Patreon, <laughs> and they chose this episode, Wishful Thinking, for us to review during a live stream. Hey! So believe it or not, we're actually live right now for uh, a special group of people, so it, any mistakes we made, are they're, they're seeing it all, warts and all. Yeah, man. There's warts and all, everything, you're, everything about uh, the poll, you're going to know everything about the poll. Yep. Rob, Rob's polling procedures are going to be demonstrated for all to behold and write about later in song and poetry. But hey, you know what I wish? What? I wish we'd get into the summary of this episode. Well, why don't you just do that off the top summary that you're so famous for? All right. Are you ready? We're live, everybody. What? Oh, no. Here we go. Sam and Dean head to Concrete, Washington. That's not a place. Is that a place? Yeah, Washington. It's right above Oregon. Oh. To investigate a haunting at a women's fitness facility. De Why is it in quotes? Why is haunting in well, quotes? Well, because it's not really it's not haunting. Real? It's just a dude who's made himself invisible. I think that's why. But Sam and Dean head to concrete Washington to investigate a haunting at a women's fitness facility. Dean is excited about the prospect of this investigation. At a Chinese food restaurant, Sam interviews the victim of the shower haunting. It seems that the ghost knew her name. Even helped her up after a fall and asked her not to tell his mom. Well, that's a weird one right there. Yeah. They find no evidence of ghosts while inspecting the site of the incident. However, they come across a man who claims to have been attacked by Bigfoot. The brothers follow the large tracks and come across a liqueur store that has been robbed of booze and porn. Not, it hasn't been robbed of actual liquor. It's liqueur. It's, it's liqueur. Uh, it's liqueur. Aperitifs <laughs> and uh, dessert wines have been stolen. <laughs> they discreetly follow a little girl who has some of the contraband. They greet her at her home and discover her giant teddy bear is alive and in the middle of an existential crisis. Yeah. The little girl tells them that she wished her teddy bear was real at the wishing well in the Chinese food restaurant. So the boys head there and discover an ancient coin that seems to be magically stuck to the bottom of the wishing well. After some research, they discover that the coin is cursed. Of course it is. It is Babylonian and is a talisman to Tiamat, a dragon deity of chaos. 
While the coin... Say that whole sentence five times fast. Jesus. Good Lord. <laughs> a Babylonian talisman of time at the dragon deity of chaos. While the coin does grant wishes, the wishes eventually go bad, causing chaos. To stop it, they must find the first wisher who can remove the coin from the well and reverse all the wishes. Uh... During all of this, Dean is struggling with his memories of hell, and Sam is trying to get him to talk about it. The brothers suspect a local man, Wes Mondale, might be the first wisher. He's a humdrum guy who has recently been engaged to a beautiful woman, Hope Lynn Casey. Yeah, I hope it's Lynn Casey, too. She's a knockout. Yeah, who is way out of his league. Sam and Dean confront him, and Wes admits that his grandfather found the coin in North Africa during World War II, and Wes was told to never use it. He doesn't want to cancel his wish, even though he knows that Hope doesn't seem to be happy. Well, it's not even mm. that she doesn't seem to be happy. She's just, you know, she's gone cuckoo with her uh, codependency. Well, I, I hope Hope can find happiness. I hope so, too. We're, I'm hopeful in my hope for Hope. I hope for Hope, too. The boys split up, and Dean get beat up by a boy who wished for strength to take on some bullies. And at the restaurant, Sam gets struck by lightning because Hope has wished that nobody takes her away from her love for Wes. Right. With some threats and seeing the trouble it's causing, Wes decides to remove the coin and reverse the wishes. Later, Sam confirms to Dean that the coin has been destroyed. Dean confesses to Sam that he remembers Hill, but he refuses to share anything more with Sam. Yeah. Well, a good, good summary. Nicely done. Thank you. Uh, not as many screw-ups as I like, but whatever. Well. Now, let's dive into... Our, 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 well, Robbie. I'll start. I, I I like this episode. I think uh, it's not quite on the level, you know, so the the ones like where uh, where Dean is afraid of everything, you know, that one. Yellow fever. And then the one, uh, you know, where Dean keeps reliv- reliving the same day over and over again. Green fever. It's not quite up for those those ones, but it's but it's uh, but it's fun to s- sort of see all the different wishes and see them go bad. I uh, especially liked. The one where he wishes for the sub sandwich and then it makes him really sick. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. 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 So to sort of see all those things and the, the little boy who was bullied and then becoming like, you know, extra powerful was great. And, and you know, I mean, personally, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Ted Raimi. So it's really fun. You're like, Ted Raimi. So that was really fun to see Ted Raimi in this. Oh, yeah, man. And he's, he's a... Awesome. Yeah, he's great. And it's fun. I, I agree. You know, one of the things I liked about it, I, again, I think Supernatural does fun well. Like they do these sort of jaunts through messing with their own format really, really well, their own genre. The giant teddy bear, man. I mean, like you, it's just that was, unbelievable. That was classic. amazing. That was amazing. The whole idea about it, the the bear trying to take his own life. I mean, the, the whole bit was just. That was really, really funny. Unbelievable. Yeah, that was really good. And the little girl who was so fun. Like, she, I think they're in Bali. Yeah, wished, totally. you know, and then at the end when you see them and they're all sunburned yeah like that's you know that maybe was what went wrong there and the the, the bear the voice of the bear i mean i don't know this the show has done anything like that yet like that's you know right that was that was pretty amazing that was great i mean the, the bear bit was just so funny it was super clever it kind of took the whole concept of if you could wish for something what would you wish for aside from dean's sub sandwich just to test it it's all kind of on track with what you would wish for. Your homely guy wishes for a beautiful girl. Yeah. Little kid wishes for the toy to come alive. Kid is being bullied, wishes to have vengeance. And so it kind of it kind of played on those tropes that we all kind of think about, but did so really, really well. Yeah. And with a with a with a bit of humor, the way Dean like coaches the little kid 
and the way the Dean handled being beat up by that little kid and thrown around, like that was all just awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I have to admit something. You know, I watched this on the plane ride back from Rome. Oh, wow. Name drop. Let me get you a broom, Robbie, for that uh, country name drop. Big city, fancy pants name drop right here. Let me just sweep that up for you. Excuse me. Uh, you made him a mess in the, the first class of cabin from Rome. I forgot that you were... Let me just clean it up before I you. I forgot you were fluent in, in, in Italian now. Me dispatch, me dispatch. So, uh, yeah. So, I uh, honestly, I, I really did like that. I, I thought the bear was really, really clever. You know, and like you said, just seeing what everyone was w- wishing for was pretty realistic. Wait, what does it have to do with watching it on a plane? I thought you were going to say you hit turbulence and, and missed Act 3 or something. No, I just but, that I was so tired. It was kind of kind of had to come back to me. Oh, the partying and the live and the vino. I get it. Uh, grazie. Uh, yes, I'll have a, a fourth glass. Oh, my God. I'm not like you. A Negroni? Si, grazie, grazie. I'm not like you. I don't watch the episode right before we do the the uh, the podcast. You mean, we're, so it's fresh in my brain, and I'm not sitting there going, I remember I had the Chateaubriand, and I watched Act 1, and then I took a three-hour nap, and I woke up, and I thought, Jeffrey said there was some cognac, so I flagged him down. And then I'm like, um, who's this woman, and why is she striking <laughs> Sam down? Um, you, you know, the other part of the episode I thought was really interesting was that we got to just the, the boy, the overall arc of the show is something I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated about. We have these really fun episodes, but then sort of, you know, above that, there's an overall arc that's going on. And there are secrets that both the boys have from each other right now. Secrets are important. And well, I think it's important that the boys be telling the truth to each other. And Sam kind of has his little secret about his, you know, super, super powers. And yeah. Dean has his secret in terms of what happened in hell, which we really don't know, but it's giving him odd flashbacks. You know, and it's just, I think that's interesting every time that comes up. Yeah, it is. I mean, they're, they're, they kind of keep that dotted through very well. Yeah. It's, it's well balanced throughout the episode because really this episode is so great. You want to stay focused on that, but obviously not not wanting to lose the big overall arc of what's going on in the season. And that's what I think is good about this show is there's constantly a tension between the two brothers. Right. They love each other. They would die for each other. They're so bonded, and yet they've got these secrets from each other that, for whatever reason, they can't totally even explain. You know, right. and and right now it's it's what happened to Dean in Hell, which feels pretty heavy. And then on Sam's end, that he's got the demon blood in him, and he can, you know, it's very similar to how you, when you and I travel, when you're sitting up in first class, you think a lot what happened to Rich and Coach. So like it's like. You're you're like Sam in this scenario, uh-huh. up in the first class, uh-huh. going to my tablecloth has a slight stain. Uh-huh. I don't know why you're Italian now. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, I'm back in coach, uh, you know, asking the chickens if they can move so I can get out to use the bathroom, and the chickens say no. So right, just, I think just, chickens is an unfair way to describe people that are flying in coach, but. Uh... You haven't been back there. You don't know. It's cages of animals. I didn't realize it's, it's, that. It's, I didn't realize yeah, that. man. I'm being like, I'm basically down in luggage handling. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Well, if you it didn't travel with such a posse, perhaps you could for, afford the, hey, the nice day. My gang can't get themselves to Rome. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I roll deep. You got Rocky. Um, you got little Mike. JJ. <laughs> hey, Red. Red. Uh, anyway, so it's a good episode. It's a really good episode. And Hey, Very I'm always episode. a sucker for wishes. You know what I mean? Very, yeah. Aladdin. That kind of thing. We have to do a facial hair review here. We got to get into it. So you don't have to uh, tell I'll me start. that. You ready? Um, yeah. I'm going early Stapleton, like uh, slightly cleaner than the full Stapleton, but still a rock solid one of the greats. Do you have a picture of what that looks like? No, in my head. I'll look it up while you're ta- doing yours. But you know what, Robbie? The um, to me, the bear bit alone makes it an, uh, a classic. Like it's just it's so yeah. well done. Yeah, 
I, I agree. The the bear bit, which honestly, I guess what I was trying to say earlier is it. I almost felt like that was like a fever dream on the plane when I'm jet lagged and on the plane and I completely forgot how genius that was. Right. Just for the bear bit alone. Um, I, I'm going, so I'm going to go with, uh, obviously I'm going Stapleton. I'm just going Stapleton Light. Stapleton Light. Okay. Ah, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a Jafar. <laughs> so he didn't get... Didn't get uh, a full home run review from both of us. He basically got a Stableton for me and a Jafar, which is a very good review. It's good. Very it's it's a, it look. It's like Prince. It's mm-hmm. it's groomed. You know, he's taking the edges down just so. Mm-hmm. And there's an Aladdin tie-in, a genie with the right? wishes. You're not wrong. Come on, missing. You're not wrong. I mean, you are you learned something up there in first class. First of all, uh, just so everyone knows, I wasn't flying first class. This kid, also, Richard's a liar. So was, he lies. You also learned that a Shiraz can go with chicken. No. Don't believe all of the wine reviews you've read. No. Um, okay, it's the, and you do an early Stapleton. I'm going Stapleton Light, which is basically Stapleton in a man bun. I mean, it's, it's basically, I'm basically giving it a Stapleton. I'm just not going full Stapleton. Right. I'm going Stapleton when he's had a slight beard trim. And everybody, if, Stapleton you, Light. if you're listening to the show and you're not on our Patreon, so you, all you have is audio, look up Jafar. Look at that beard, and you tell me that's not a cool-ass beard. Uh, and it's Jafar. When I ask you what character you, you're going to tell me, so what what animated character did you uh, use as your reference this week, Rob? Jafar. No, I'm right here. Just uh, lean over and tell me. You've taken it to Jafar this time. <laughs> you know, one of the key reasons why this episode is so entertaining is because of our next guest. That's right. We have with us a living legend and horror icon. Horror icon. Horror icon. That's right. Mr. Ted Raimi is in the house. That dude has done everything. He's been in so many movies, so many TV shows, starring in Sequest 2032, starring in Xena, Warrior Princess, and starring in the Evil Dead franchise. He's had numerous TV guest starring roles on everything from ALF to Baywatch to CSI, back to ALF, just because I like saying ALF. And he stars in the upcoming feature film, Failure. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Ted Raimi. All right, we're joined by Ted Raimi here. Uh, Ted, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, It's great to talk to you. You too. Thanks for having me on your show. Absolutely. So were you aware of the series before you got this role in this, this episode? Sure, it was uh, it was one of the most popular series on television at the time I got it. Right. So yes, I certainly was. It was very visible. It was in all the trades. It was talked about through right uh, fans talked about it, and in those nascent days of Twitter, it was really quite a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's a question for you because you you were already a name when you were doing this show. Was this a phone call from somebody, or is this something you actually ended up putting yourself up for? A phone call. I had a hunch. I actually was a fan of the show. I just randomly emailed Eric Kripke because I said, hey, this is a great show. You did a really good job. And I had met Eric maybe once or twice briefly, but I'm always the kind of person that tells anybody if they're doing a good job because I always like it if someone does it to me. And that includes everything from TV shows all the way to breakfast cereals. I send emails to companies to go, good cereal. (laughs) That's awesome. Like that's a delicious friggin' granola. Like you did great. And you'd be surprised how little praise the most successful things, people, objects in our lives get and how grateful they are. I know I am. So that's why I do it, you know. 
I am currently in the state of Michigan and near Detroit, and uh, there's a booze <laughs> company. There's so many liquor companies in Michigan. And every one that I like, I'll just say, you guys are awesome. And I'll write them an email, and I'm like, this is really good. And <laughs> one guy, one guy, it was one of, my, one of the best vodkas I've ever had in my life. One guy wrote me a personal letter back. Like, he just sent a letter in the mail going, thank you, and blah. <laughs> That's fantastic. So anyway, getting back to Supernatural, sorry. So I emailed Eric and said, hey, great job with the show. That's amazing. And then Eric said, why don't you come in and talk to me for a minute and say hello? I said, okay. I think I can't remember what lot he was on. It might have been Universal or I think it was Universal. Maybe Paramount. I don't remember. Anyway, but I went on there. I sat. I had a chat with him just to see how he was and stuff. And and he said, you know, we should put you on this thing. I said, okay, sure. Four days later, he goes, okay, I got an idea. <laughs> oh, my God. Somebody has this bet. And so, you know, come and do the show. And so that's how that, that, that was. That's awesome. I love those stories. The, kid, yeah. the Hollywood kismet. <laughs> yeah, it was a little Hollywood kismet, you know, but it was less schmoozing and begging. No, no, not at all. Yeah, I, well, that I, I was it, just, it, it landed in my lap. It, it, yeah, well, that's a, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's a great thing about Eric, too. Like, Eric's a fan as well, you know? And, oh, and, boy, is he ever. Yeah, and that's why it's fun, you know, to work with him. He's got a lot of great enthusiasm yeah. for the show. And he created a show that was, you know, I think part of the success of Supernatural, and it's phenomenon, it's a phenomenon, of course, is that... Because he's a fan of the genre and because he's kind of a uh, maybe a little nerdy about the genre, even though he's, you know, he's quite an efficient and tough producer. He made a show that was fan friendly already, but also it's very family friendly. It's very strange. It promotes itself as this horror show with these two young, good looking guys in this cool old car traveling around the country. It's a very American idea, very road trip idea. But unlike any other horror film, there's really no gore in it. There's no evisceration. There's very little. There's a little bit of blood here and there. But primarily, you, as a say you're a father, you can sit your family down in front of that show, and you can get an enjoyment out of it, and your kids won't be warped too bad. (laughs) I think that's a lot of it. You know, that's really a great deal of, it's really a brilliant idea, you know, and everyone's tried to figure that out. So really, Supernatural, I I feel, is more akin to, say, the vibe of X-Files rather than, say, Evil Dead, from which it is originally, I suppose, sourced in a sense. Right. right. Well, and I, well, I think that that strong through line of what you already mentioned—the sort of the father-brother tr- triangle—you know, the the two boys and their relationship, and then their pursuit of their own father and their own history—is sort of the the driving force and overrides anything that would be considered gory, so to speak. Yeah, I I think so too. Anyway, it was um, so I went there. I went up to uh, Vancouver, Canada, and shot it and um i had a lovely time on it i remember uh you know i remember the costume fitting and the costumers were (laughs) some great ones for me and they were it was almost at first too cool like i looked like kind of have me fitted clothes and they you know she was she's a great costumer i cannot recall the uh the lady's name she's a very talented gal but i suggested it look even worse than it than it that they had given me. So they gave me this ugly form-fitting jacket, this this beige thing that clearly looked like I'd bought it at a Salvation Army and pants to match. And you know, so it was it was a really great, great costume for that character. I think his name was Wes. I remember Wes, yeah. Had you worked with Bob Singer before or had any co- a connection with him? No. No, he was great. I was my 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 one great regret on that show is that I never got to work with him again because uh he was so good with actors and he was so efficient on set. But all yeah. TV, all TV directors have to be, you know. Every, yeah. It is the most common malady for brand new directors who get a TV show or are on a rotation. 
for the first few episodes. They want to prove themselves, as we all do when a new job, you know, yeah. you want to show how good you are. So every time these new directors would come in, he's not one of them, but I'm just, it's just a side story, but a new director would come in and they, they want to be, you know, Fellini. And they want to, you know, they want to be Scorsese. Right. They want to do, okay, I got a great idea for this first shot of this show. They're coming in on season five or something. And they're like, okay, now we're going to follow you. It's not going to cut for six minutes in this. We're going to set it up. It's going to take three days of rehearsal. And <laughs> producers are like, are you on crack? You know, we have a production schedule. So they learn very quickly, new directors, that they're going to have to simply, they, they're, they're really cranking them out. But if you can crank an episode out, like Singer did, and make it really entertaining. Why then? You're a valuable TV director. Yeah. So you can't be Scorsese. There's no way. There's no way to be Scorsese. There's no way to be, you know, Eastwood. You simply just you're 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 cranking stuff out. That's what you're doing. But if you can do it with a little style, then you you, you win. Yeah, that's the thing about Bob. You're in good hands with Bob. He knows exactly what he's doing. He sure seemed like it. Yeah, he's done it a couple of times. Yeah. I always feel like Bobby has such a good handle. You mentioned Bob Singer being good with actors. To echo that, I always feel like he knows exactly what he thinks it should be, be it the lead or the guest star. You know, he 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 understands the character and the role. Yeah, really like it. Really and well. uh, you know, I mean, typically directors come in two flavors. I suppose you could categorize them in this this manner. First is they will uh, find as many minutia flaws as they can and correct them. That's not a bad way to go. And the other is say nothing unless something goes horribly wrong. In this case, he, Bob was the latter. And so at first I was trying to get used to it because I was a little nervous to be up there. I'd seen the show a bunch. I was a fan myself, which is unusual. Typically I'm not fans of shows that I, you know, go on as actor, as an actor. And uh, so uh, I was a little bit nervous. I wanted to make sure I got it right. And he was uh, my kind of a director. Yeah. And then what about uh, Jensen and Jerry? Did you meet them before you uh, got to set or did you meet them sort of on your first day of work? First day of work. I just yeah. arrived and they were there. Yeah. Nice boys, both of them. They really went out of their way to make uh, guest stars feel welcome. And that is something you probably have heard from other guest stars you may have interviewed. But what you may not have heard is that how difficult it is when you are a TV star, which I have been in two different shows before, to take the time to do that. Now, while it seems like maybe a snotty thing I just said, like, oh my God, what a jerk. You mean you don't welcome actors? Well, of course we do. It's just that the schedule is so fast and you have so many new lines if you're a regular on a show that uh, to do that, to focus on the, the production, to make sure you're doing it right, and to also be gracious to your guests is quite a difficult thing to juggle. And those guys did it just great. So I was very lucky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, we, we always say that it's, it's kind of the secret of that set, I think they were so incredibly gracious and make you feel comfortable and, you know, and, and you wind up with great guest stars and, you know, doing such good work. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're on set, you've met yeah. the boys and you're playing Wes. Do you, did you think about like the backstory with Wes? He has this whole thing with this woman, Hope, that he's known since high school. Sure. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was an easy, it's an easy thing to, to figure out. I've played lots of those kinds of characters when, you know, that was sort of the last time in my career where I, I did that sort of stuff. I was getting a little too old to play that sort of stuff. Right. You know, what happens in your life as an actor is you start out, you try to pull what you can from uh, your experiences, of course, and you bring them to the screen or stage. That's how it works, obviously. But you can change. Mm -hmm. People change as I change. So the last six, seven years I've been playing these rather dreadful 
psychopaths and twisted people, you know. Um, so Wesley was kind of the last one of those kind of characters I played. And yeah. that was that was nice. I think, uh, you know, for a middle aged man who has nothing in a small town to finally get the town beauty is um, I think everybody can imagine that. And we all probably know. Few. Right like that so yeah uh, yeah sure one yeah. shake your head you go how the hell did that guy do that yeah yeah and vice versa too of course there's always yeah. a few ugly duckling gals who uh married up <laughs> yeah yeah well you do it so well it's you know it's obviously it's it's something you've done before but it's thank you you know like i said it's it's you know on the show really just brought it up a notch it brought the whole episode up a notch. oh thank you i, I really appreciate that i also love the uh, the script was great yeah, and I'm I'm a big fan of classical literature and theater, and I really couldn't avoid seeing the similarities between one of the oldest tales in the book told by every single culture. Indeed, every single culture doesn't doesn't miss one of them. Sometimes a tale will miss a you know few cultures here and there, and you go, oh, where did that one come from? But you can trace this, of course, all the way back to uh, written anyway to the Greeks with uh, King Midas and. Uh, the king with the insatiable appetite who finally ate himself. And there's uh, in, in England, there's um, the monkey's paw. And in the Middle East, there's the genie tale and the original tale of that. The genie, you get unlimited wishes. It's not just three, but those wishes eventually lead to a terrible downfall in every one of those stories. So this is a classic, uh, yeah. be careful what you wish for, as we say in here in America and England, or you just might get it. You know, yeah. Yeah. Which I love. Which I thought was good. Yeah. And one of the things that the episode was interesting about it is a yeah. the balance of the story. Yeah. It's great humor in this one. Boy, that was really fun to do for that regard. Although we'd had a little life uh, meets art, art meets life, I guess. And that is in the episode, if I recall right, I think, uh, uh, Jared Padalecki's character gets violently ill from eating the food, right? I think he does. Right, Jensen does. Uh, Jensen, yeah. sorry. Jensen yeah, yeah, does. Yeah. But on one of the mornings, Jared, not Jensen, but Jared came in and he looked terrible. He looked awful. Everyone asked him what was wrong. He said, well, I my fridge in my house wasn't sure if it was working and I found a ham sandwich and I ate it. Now I don't feel good. And he had to stop twice during shooting. Oh, for God's sake. Because he had food poisoning from his sandwich that he had eaten. And oh he went gosh. to the trailer and threw up a few times before we shot. No way. So I thought, my God, it really happens sometimes where, you know, <laughs> art does hit life. Um, wow. It was the 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 uh, irony was 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 uh, quite apparent and unmistakable. Wow. Yeah, that's hilarious. It also speaks to, I mean, how do you say you're a young bachelor without saying I'm a young bachelor? You just eat the stuff out of the broken fridge. <laughs> just hold that thought. We're coming right back. You can sense it calling out to you. New reality seeks you. Join the journey to save Anomaly. Place where sound is magic. The only way to enter the world is by looking inward. Along the way, you'll learn potions, chants, and enchantments that will help you both in that reality and yours. So, answer the call and let your campaign begin. Featuring the voices of Ruth Connell from Supernatural and Dead Boy Detectives. There are ordeals ahead, yet with guidance you will face them head on. 
without fear. Todd Stashwick from Star Trek Picard and 12 Monkeys. When the time arrives, wherever your journey takes you, be there with no attachments. And R&B singer N.C. Gray. There are worlds, realms, dimensions, and realities beyond yours. Anomaly is a role-playing meditation podcast that takes you into a world of magic and fantasy. You'll be invited to imagine yourself in scenarios such as learning to cast a tranquility spell or exploring a land vanquished by a dragon, but all connected by a shared mythology. The goal of guided fantasy role-playing meditations are to help you cultivate a sense of wonder, curiosity, balance, and joy in your inner world. Role-playing meditation is a form of escapism and relaxation, as well as a creative outlet for the imagination. The first campaign is an introduction to the world of Anomaly, its lands, magic, and secrets. In the eight chapters, you'll stretch your imagination, learn to center yourself, offer forgiveness, find confidence, relieve stress, and stop racing thoughts. Your true self will emerge, allowing you to manage your goals and dreams without confusion, distrust, or self-doubt. You can find it on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Or visit SeekAnomaly.com to learn more. Anomaly spelled with an I-E, not a Y. Seek Anomaly. Here it's magic. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. And now back to the episode. So this leads me to ask, like, since you're talking about Jared and Jensen and that that unfortunate event, how was the camaraderie uh, with those guys? Like, you spent a lot of time with them. How did you guys get on? Uh, just great. They were uh, they were quite secure in the success of their show. And as often happens to actors who've uh, uh, experienced that, an actor can go one of two ways. <laughs> they can become sadly very dismissive and um, petty, or they can uh, look a out and realize that their wonderful success has brought them this, that, and the other thing, and uh, be uh, warm and generous and thankful. And those two were the latter and not the former. So it, it was wonderful. You know, I, of course, I didn't know them very well. I was just a guest star on the show. But the first thing we shot, I remember, was the car scene. So we we hopped in that, uh, I think it's an old Chevy, if I'm not mistaken. And we, I got, yeah, me Paula. and Impala, we got in the back of the thing. I wasn't ready for that scene because they had changed the order the night before I was supposed to shoot the stuff with um, that very nice young gal who played my girlfriend, but we didn't do that. We actually shot the car stuff first and I wasn't ready with the lines because I'd just, I, which I, I couldn't learn. I got the script rather late and I wasn't prepared as I'd like to be. So I actually had a moment in the back seat to look over the lines while, while we were getting in position. Uh, and then I was fine, but I was a little concerned at first, but it all turned out fine. Yeah, I think it's one of the things that people who don't know the backstory of how TV is made, how, how the sausage is yeah. produced, don't realize how quickly those curveballs can be thrown, and they can be. Oh, yeah. I do remember, too, when we were in that car, shooting back and forth there. There are two things that I recall well. The first is we were shooting in, uh, in a very, very rural area of uh, yeah. southern Canada, of British Columbia, and some farmer 
comes barreling out of his house while we were shooting. He didn't understand what was happening. He just saw a car with some rig on it. He thought it was maybe a tractor. I don't know what he thought. And he came up to our car and he pounded on the hood and he said, God damn it. He said, God damn it. This whole caravan you've got here is scaring all the sheep. Get this goddamn car out of here. And so Jared said, I'm so sorry, but we may have to even go around again. He said, oh, well, you do. I'm calling oh the God. cops on you. So I went around. And, uh, hilarious. and at that point, I think an AD had explained to him what was happening. Probably shoved a, you know, a Canadian 20 in his <laughs> A pocket. loony or a toonie. That went on his way as often happens. And, yeah, that's a little <laughs> low. He's really more of a 20, but yeah. Now, for those Americans who don't know what those mean, a, a loony is a $2 coin and... Uh, uh, excuse me, a loony is a $1 coin. And yes, a indeed. A $2 coin. Uh, that's funny, though. Yeah. Wow. Well, you, you and you mentioned Anita Brown, who was the actress who played. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hope. And how, how was she to work with? This is not somebody we haven't met her. So we, we're not familiar with her. How was how was how was your experience with her? Oh, if she's energetic. She's an energy ball. That girl had so much energy. I was en- envious of her. Of course, she's was 10 years younger than me. I was in my 30s. I think she was in her 20s at that point. But um, she's an energetic gal. I'm just oh, wow. bouncing off the walls and uh, a thousand ideas. Just absolutely charming. Um, I was a little concerned, though, as actors are at times who have a, if you have oh, a kissing right. scene with a girl. And you know she has a boyfriend. And that boyfriend happened to be, uh, I think he was a grip or a gaffer on the show. Oh, my God. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. I mean, um, it, 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 it's not... She she didn't bring him or something to 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 right. watch over or something. Right. He just worked there. But I made it a point to say hello and stuff because uh, people can be funny about such things. It's always another plate right. you have to juggle. And but uh, it, it it was fine. And she was just absolutely uh, charming. And wow, that's a great girl. setup for a sketch. You know, like you're trying that's to do awesome. a kissing scene, and he's right in middle, like you know, un, <laughs> unrolling the the rope right in front oh. of. You. You'd be surprised how much <laughs> Boom, that Mike. happens. You'd be surprised. Oh, but because here's how it typically goes. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. You're home with your significant other, maybe your wife or a longtime girlfriend or a short-term girlfriend or boyfriend. And um, you realize, you go, because you never re- usually tell your spouse too much what, what you're shooting. Why would you? It's one day as much like another. But you realize if that person sees you kissing somebody, they probably will understand. But if they are a jealous type, or confused about how the business works, they may not understand. And so you say to those people, listen, the typical thing to say is, because it's also exciting, why don't you come to set? This seems to assuage their fears. It'd be like if someone suspected you of a, of a indiscretion in a relationship and you said, why don't you yeah. come with me to dinner? Then right. you wouldn't be worried one bit. But in this case, it happens on occasion where a, a guy or a girl will bring their significant other to the kissing scene or bed scene because they're so scared or they've given that person yeah. a difficult time. So oh, yeah. it's awful. It's an awful thing for the other actor. It's not awful yeah. for that person who has yeah. the spouse there. But for you, the guy or girl trying to do a yeah. Yeah. makeout scene or a bed scene or something even yeah. more. Yeah. Uh, graphic uh in nature it's really yeah. difficult when that significant other staring at you and you're trying to pretend like you're in love with that person it's absolutely miserable this <laughs> yeah. in this case though he was absolutely a a, a sweet guy and so it was it was just oh fine. that's good it was just fine i do have a i do remember one thing too sorry please that's what it's about love hearing these stories when we were we shot the uh the town i can't remember where it was it was way up in uh it took about an hour to get there from vancouver 
the little town, all the exterior mm-hmm. stuff we shot, and um, including the Chinese restaurant and stuff. These are the nascent days of cell phones. How did anybody had them in 2012? Mm-hmm. They were just starting, you know, to go around, but almost none of them had cameras. So I, I would bring my digital camera everywhere, you know, whenever I'm on set, and I like to take a lot of pictures. And I had forgotten it back home in Los Angeles. So uh, there was a little drugstore, a little independent drugstore, and I walked in there, and the only thing they had was those disposable traditional cameras, the Kodak makes, yeah. you know, the ones that you yeah. have to wind. Yeah, that's like an old-fashioned camera, but it's disposable, so you do that, you yeah. take it into Kodak, <laughs> get the things <laughs> processed. It's basically like yeah. it's like it's 1890 <laughs> totally. again, you know, it's the same idea. Well, I also love the fact that half our audience right now is Googling Kodak. Yes, they probably don't what even know what that Kodak? means. I'm sorry for those uh, younger younger viewers. Uh, that it's an old camera company that actually not only made uh, film stock most famously, but they were the also the first to invent the charged coupling device, which is used in every single digital camera you'll ever use in your life. They are the inventors of that, but were never able to successfully use it themselves, which is absolutely sad and bizarre. But I know that aside. I bought a actual film disposable camera and I kept it in my pocket that Wes had. And in between takes, I would take a bunch of pictures. And just before we shot, the DP, I cannot remember his name. Serge. Serge. Uh, said, hey, that was great, you know, but this time I need, bring that camera up because it's, I, I didn't see it in the last take and it looks really good. I mean, it's, it just suits you so well. I said, what? I said, that camera. I said, no, that's not a prop. I had to buy that. <laughs> <laughs> I think even the director thought that that was a prop for Wes because it really looks dorky. It looks like a bad camera, you know, but it's all I had. So I'm, I'm, that's oh, wow. pretty funny anyway. But That's hilarious. You, they, well, hey, look, you got credit yeah. for like doing a, a <laughs> yeah. deep dive on, your, on exactly. Wesley. That they didn't, that's right. Yeah, I talked about char- character right. study. Yeah, it really yeah. was. Um, <laughs> but I was glad to be a part of that universe. It was a very, very lovely thing um, to, to be there. And I felt very, yeah. very welcome. Well, you do, obviously, with your library of work, you obviously do a lot of fan conventions. A ton of them, yeah. exposure to that. So have you, do you get asked about Supernatural? Is that, does that ever come oh, up? No, almost never. Is that almost right? Almost never. It's weird. I get asked about a thousand other shows, but almost never Supernatural. And uh, I don't know why. I don't know. That's a trip because there's such a huge fan. It, it also, like you, the show has a huge fan. It does. You know, but super, the, but convention the, following. But the base, but what's interesting about the base of the show I had noticed over the years is while, again, going back to what I said earlier, it, it bills itself as a horror TV show, it doesn't attract a traditional horror audience, which I, in my career, have done most movies and television right. shows for. So most people, when they, they, they come up to me and say, hello, hi, Ted, how you doing, are referencing those and not so much Supernatural. So diehard horror fans are typically not the audience. That's true. That's what I found. But that's just my yeah. unofficial opinion based on fans and fan reactions. If you love horror, it's not really a, a, a gore fest. And there's really aren't too many scares in it at all. It's more right. creepy. And yeah, there's not a, as much crossover there. And and like you said before, it's a phenomenon. I mean, Supernatural is its own thing and, and uh, almost in a bubble a little bit as a fandom. It is. It is. Um, but what's, like, you know, how many seasons? 15 freaking seasons. I don't know if that holds the TV record for a drama, Apparently, it's the longest-running genre show. In, I mean, in America. Sense. Yeah. I mean, still, I don't think anything's yet beat. Uh, it Maybe it has. Maybe Gunsmoke has been beaten. 
Yeah, for those who don't know, Gunsmoke was a Western that began as a radio show in 1952 and ran to 1961. But in 1958 or 59, they started the TV show, which ran concurrently with the radio show. That was the trans- transitory period between those two genres. And that TV show ran from 59 to the set 1975 or 76. So the whole show ran from about 19, conservatively, 1975, all the way back to 1952. That's a really, wow. really long run. Yeah. That's a really long run. And I don't know if that's been beaten. It might have been. So that's like 25 years or something like that. I don't, good Lord, unless it's a, some, you know, Australian soap opera or something that I don't know about. <laughs> I think that's probably. Hey, hey guy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> really, well. I really like you. Yeah. <laughs> guy. Yeah, now. It's that doctor. The doctor was here, wasn't he? You're fooling around with that doctor, eh? Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it runs so long. Well, thanks so much, Ted. Thank you so much for doing this. It was great. Thank you for having me on, fellas. I really appreciate it. And uh, be well, be good. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go listen to some more of these doggone episodes of yours because I think they're great. <laughs> thanks, Ted. Love it. Be well, guys. Thanks, buddy. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. This is Jared Padalecki stopping in to say hi and let you know that we've got to take a quick break. This show is sponsored by Better help. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? What would you do? Would you go for a run, take a nap, read a book, watch Supernatural? Maybe all the above. Or maybe it's that thought that brings in a sense of panic. I mean, the question is, what time for what? If time is unlimited, how do we use it? Sometimes the hardest time for people who work every day is the weekends. When people are faced with a choice, if I've got this free time, what do I do with it? If this rings true for you, maybe therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy for many years now, and I talk openly about it. I still go to therapy um, about once a week, and it's just such a nice time for me to to have that free space to to try to figure out who I am really, and what I really want and what makes me happy. It's super important and often neglected taking this time. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient and flexible and suited to your schedule. So all you do is you fill out this brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and then, oh, get this, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge because they want you to be happy. That's what this is about. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash S-P-N-T-A-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash S-P-N-T-A-N. Hey guys, it's Rob. So check this out. I'm very pleased to announce that we have a new super sponsor. That's right. Marvel Strike Force. So Marvel... The one and only Marvel has a mobile game, and it's a comic book fan's dream. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. So, okay, so your goal is to power up your favorite characters, and you complete missions, and then you unlock fun stuff like gear and other resources, and then you beat other players 
in a PvP player versus player mode, such as Alliance War or Real Time Arena. So as we as I record this, they're enjoying their six year anniversary. So you know what that means? Free stuff. Free stuff just for signing up via the unique link in the description. So the anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. And if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. So make sure you log in every day, each week. You take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code for every new user, so please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. All right. Thanks once again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Thank you for supporting Supernatural then and now. And now, back to the show. Well, that was great. That was great. I would say stupendous. I think stupendous is probably the word. I was digging for a word, and then you said stupendous, and I'm like, well, yeah, that's it. Well, I was thinking how you, I was thinking how you're stupid, and then made me think of the word stupendous. And you're like, he's stupid. Can we end this? Wait, stupendous. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was a great, great episode and great having uh, Mr. Ramey on. Man, what a legend too, man. Like, what a legend. Just been in everything. Always yeah. great. Always entertaining. So talented. So good at comedy and drama. It's just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. When I saw him in the episode, I was like, oh. When I saw him in the episode, I thought to myself, how did they get Ted Ramey? That's what I thought. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Can't wait to keep going. And uh, any last parting words, Richard? You know, you take a couple of showgirls who dream of doing a podcast, they find a show like Supernatural, they find Ted Ramey, convince him to be on the podcast, and then one of the hosts has a mustache. I think we've reached the pinnacle of entertainment, and Mm. I think this was our moment. Well said, well said. And now it's time for the segment of the program that we call In Mesopotamian mythology, or Mesopotamian mythology, Tiamat was a primordial goddess of the sea and mother to all gods. Stories tie her to the chaos of creation. Oh, there you go. Her name stems from the Akkadian word for sea. That's a lot of K's in Akkadian, by the way. And is Mesopotamian, I thought it was Mesopotamian with an N. Is it Mesopotamian with an M? Yes. It's with an M. I I, I believe it to be Mesopotamian as written. Well, then I am... uh, my whole childhood has just been re. You're messo, but wrong. <laughs> you're making a you're making a mess of this whole segment. <laughs> wow, mind blown. Her depiction as a dragon didn't come until later myths. We're talking here about time at. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what? You're right. Time at. Time at. What T- are we time at? About? Time at. Time at. We're talking about time at. Okay, we got. We're, we're in time at. But what are you like? What are we specifically addressing here? It's about time at. Time at. Okay, I got it. I got it. We're taking a break. We're we're, we're pausing for a second. So, how do we get back on track here? What, what are we? What, what, who, what are we discussing? This person who is a primordial goddess of the sea and mother to all gods. Right. Just say her name and let's move on. Tiamat. That's her name. Tiamat. Her depiction as a dragon didn't come until later myths. In current pop culture, her image as a dragon is reinforced further by the role-playing game Dungeons & Dragons. Interpretation of her as a giant five-headed dragon. Oh, wow. So I no longer need to imagine what she could look like, so we no longer need the band Imagine Dragons. That's that's right. Very good. Very well done. They can can fold up shop. 
The wishing well in this episode is in a Chinese restaurant. However, the mythology of wishing wells comes from German Celtic, if you're Rob, Celtic, if you're rich, and Nordic lore. With water believed to be a source of life, these ancient peoples thought that by tossing coins or tides into springs or wells, that the deities there would grant their desires. Wow. How'd you, yeah. that's, that's crazy. It's funny how everybody does that too. I mean, it's like people of all cultures see a fountain at the mall, wherever, and you'll see pennies in there. People throw coins into a fountain and make wishes. So are we saying that that all comes from this? Uh, seems like it. it. says the mythology of wishing wells comes from German, Celtic, or if you're Rob, Celtic, and Nordic lore, water being a source of life, ancient peoples, and now current peoples like to toss their coins or tithes in there, uh, hoping that the deities will grant their wishes. Interesting. Uh, as a side note, I just looked it up, and both Celtic and Celtic are acceptable pronunciations of that word. Right. So if you're if you're into Rob and you're a diehard Rob person, he's got you covered. Right. And for the four folks who are rich people, um, I got you. And if you're uh, if you're a Bostonian, then go Celtics. I will say that they do say that the first pronunciation is Celtic. It's Celtic. Oh, I would have thought the other. Okay. It says all dictionaries put the Celtic pronunciation first, but contrary to what you may have been told, the first pronunciation listed in a dictionary isn't necessarily the most correct or most common. All right. right. So don't get cocky, dictionary people. Exactly. Hey, Webster, you know what? Stand down. Stand I was right. the frick down. All right. So on to fun facts. Fun facts! Fun facts! What was that, Robert? Oh, it's the Fun Fact Mobile. <laughs> it's coming to us. Wow, I didn't realize we're... Parking our station. We've gone mobile. Fun Fact Fun Fact. The name of the lottery winner seen in the Concrete News Daily newspaper headline, George Newman, is a reference to and picture of supernatural set decorator George Newman. The article is credited to Chris Cooper, who was the show's prop master. Well, trivia, George Newman, who's a great guy, has a son named Frank. We always bond over the fact that we both oh. have sons named Frank. So he was a great guy, he, and he is a great guy. Still is a great guy. I don't know. He could have taken a sharp turn yeah. since I saw yeah. him last. <laughs> Dean's health inspector badge has the name John McCarthy on it. John McCarthy was an assistant director on Supernatural, better known as Johnny Mac. Ah. The name on Sam's health inspector badge is Adrian Dipold, also an assistant director on the show. Remember Adrian? Oh, I remember him? yeah. Wow, that's funny. They have a lot of like uh, props out to our crew in this episode. That's nice. When you say John McCarthy, I'm like, huh? Who was that? And then you say Johnny Mac. I'm like, oh, yeah, Johnny Mac. It always takes me a second. Like, John McCarthy? Yeah. Uh, aye, aye, Captain. Oh, wait, Johnny Mac. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's funny. The porn magazine that is left remaining at the ransacked liquor store is called Backside. This is the same magazine title that Sam got Dean for Christmas in the A Very Supernatural Christmas episode. Directed by Jay Miller Tobin. And by the way, Rob, Adrian, the AD that is re referenced in the FBI badge, I knew that guy. He was great during my episodes. I had so much time off because of weather. Like I would be sitting in my trailer for nine hours. He would bring stacks of DVDs for me to watch back in the day when that was a thing. No we all had DVD players in those trailers. No way. And I would sit and just watch movies in a loop because there was nothing for me to do. Wow, just just porn, just a nonstop porn in, in your trailer. That was before we had easy access to that kind of thing, Bobo. Otherwise, well, back in the day, absolutely. if you wanted to watch porn, you'd watch it on DVD. You'd literally have to go to Rob's house. Wherever Rob lived, you'd just go to his place. Um, speaking of porn, <clears throat> you also see the uh, Busty Asian Beauties magazine in this episode, which is a recurring 
magazine that uh, Dean likes. And if you go to bustiationbeauties.com, it sends you to the CW website. Is that right? Something like yeah. that. Uh, oh, like you've never tried. <laughs> While interviewing the woman from the fitness club, Sam says he's writing a book called Supernatural. This is a reference to the 2008 TV series, Supernatural. Never heard of it. Uh, I, th- I thought that was kind of cool. Kind of funny. Fun. And maybe a foreshadowing to the character Chuck Shirley we're about to meet. I know you're excited about that uh, coming up here. And I'm so excited. Unfortunately, I won't be here for those episodes. I have a thing. But it, it's going to be great. The movie playing on Wes's TV is the swashbuckling movie Captain Blood starring Errol Flynn. Well, those are all great fun facts. Really interesting. And really, really, really ignoring the weirdest, and I'm not sure funnest facts of all, but one that we got to talk about. Okay. The kid who's who plays Todd. Uh-huh. Neil, you know, Neil before Todd. Yeah, yeah. Whose name is Brian Grantham. Mm-hmm. That's the actor who plays Todd. Cute little Todd who flips the car over and is being bullied. Yeah. Played by an actor named Ryan Grantham. Right. Who had a great career, was in Diary of the Wimpy Kid, or Diary of a Wimpy Kid, and uh, yeah. played Rodney in that movie, and also was in Riverdale. Yeah. Killed his mother. Oh, my God. In a very supernatural-esque kind of sequence, he killed his mom, shot her in the back of the head while she was playing piano. Jeez, Louise. And then repositioned her body and put candles around her and a rosary around her neck, and then set out to go track down and kill Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada. Canada. Yeah, so that's just uh, bananas. Is he now in jail? He's in jail. He was convicted. Uh, He was 24 when he did this. Wow. He was convicted, and then he uh, received a life sentence, but is eligible for parole in 14 years, which a lot of people felt was a mighty light. That's not That's not end. a lot of time for killing one's mother. No, you would think that that would be the cold-blooded killing would merit a stronger punishment. Look at this. He even filmed the gruesome scene after he had pulled the trigger. Oh, that is grim. Literally showing no remorse for his actions. This is all from a news post that we looked up when we realize this is the case for the uh for this episode I, I credit this to a site called crime news but anyway it's in the police record this kid is serving time in a canadian prison for shooting his mom in the back of the head he obviously had psychiatric issues and they also in this article blame weed consumption which really chaps rob's side but a lot going on here i it look i know this is not a fun fact but honestly pretty massive piece of information about this yeah. prominent actor in this episode that I thought was probably worth mentioning because it's crazy. Yeah, that's it's a weird one. I would call this maybe a subcategory of fun facts called not as fun facts. Not yeah, uh, a gruesome fact uh, from the crime docket. Yeah. Also, props out to that website you're looking at. That sounds like right up there with CNN. And I, I got this yeah. information on uh, <laughs> crime solvers. Yeah, I know. Crazy, crazy fact. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Well, um... This episode of Supernatural features Jared Padalecki as Sam Winchester, Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester. Yeah, stars include Ted Raimi, Anita Brown, Nicole Ledoux, or Leduc, Ryan Grantham, and Callum Worthy. Wishful Thinking was written by Ben Edlund, with story by Ben Edlund and Lou Bolo, directed by Robert Singer. Did we talk about the fact that Lou Bolo did the story? Again? Yeah, I know. I noticed it on the, on the credits. It's crazy, That's right? That's the second story that Lou yeah. Bolo has yeah. come up with. Yeah, Lou, it's just, was, Lou was doing a lot. He wasn't just doing the stunts. That's the second story in four seasons that he came up with. I, I honestly, I keep picturing him on set going when the writers may be there going like, hey, here's an idea. It's a great idea, though. 
Yeah, it's a great idea. Okay. Yeah. Good, good old Lou. Editing by Anthony Pinker. Music by Christopher Leonards. Executive produced by Eric Kripke and Robert Singer. The original broadcast of this episode featured the song Friday Night by Hal Friendlich Overdrive. This episode originally aired on November 6th, 2008. This episode of Supernatural Then and Now is hosted and executive produced by Richard Spade Jr. and Rob Benedict. Produced by Stephen Hine, written by Stephen Hine and Hayda Holsher. And edited and associate produced by Trey Booty. What's up, Booty? Music provided by Tim Wynn. The episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios. This podcast is from Story Mill Media. Follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at SPN Then and Now. Become a member of the podcast at www.patreon.com slash SPN Then and Now. I actually love Australia. I, I secretly, I, I'm, an, I'm actually an Aussieophile. I really want to go there really, really bad. Have you never been? No. And I, and I, I was oh, wow. in New Zealand for six years of my life doing a t- another TV show called Xena Warrior Princess. And uh-huh. during that time, I foolishly, and I underscore, italicize, and stress the word foolishly, never went to Oz. And I'm so sorry. Wow. Wow. But maybe soon I'll be invited to a fan convention yeah. there, and I'd, and I'd yeah. really like to go because, uh, man, I'm a huge fan of that place. Anyway, yeah, I'm sorry of, to get off lots track. Of cons. Please, uh, no, no, no. That, L- lots awesome. of cons happening there. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm looking up what I'm going to give it. I know a lot of people think, oh, Robin Rich do a lot of work before the podcast. Let this be proof that we don't. Uh-huh. Okay. By this time, my Stapleton light has grown his beard into a full Stapleton. Well, hey, R- well, Rich, you know... Yeah. Let's get into this wishful thinking episode. Uh, yeah, yeah, you wish. Ah. I knew you're gonna. I knew you're gonna say that. Like, let's get started. I thought, yeah, right. God damn it, Steve. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have for today. We're recording now. The brothers suspect a local man, Wes Mondale. You know, I voted for Wes Mondale. Yeah, yeah, but he lost forty nine out of fifty states. Okay. Yeah, Rob is Googling beards. I just saw somebody ask, is Rob Googling beards? Yes, yeah. Rob is Googling yeah, beards. Yeah, Googling beards. I don't just have these things on my brain. But we cut this part out. See, we cut this part out, and then you go, I'm going to give it. Hold on. You know what Jafar could also be? Okay. It could also be yeah. on the in the schoolroom lockers. Uh, it could be Jamie Farr's locker, like J period Farr. Jafar. <laughs> Jafar. <laughs> Uh, it's those current references that all the kids get. That's why they keep coming back for listens. Oh, they, they come back. Mom, another Jamie Farr reference. Jamie Farr, who played Klinger on the 1980 <laughs> show MASH. You know that old adage, let's eat, Grandma, or let's eat, Grandma. Grammar matters. Story Bell Media. 